Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Has anyone ever been seriously injured at Devil's Canyon Marathon? Are we still off the record? No. Mama. Mama. You're not getting a shirt! They're for race finishers! Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 356. Releasing July 6 on digital and on demand is Marathon, a mockumentary that sets its aim on the world of long-distance running as five runners from different walks of life prepare to tackle a marathon while also wrestling with their own unique personal eccentricities. A comedy presented in the vein of those Christopher Guest mock docs that we all love Marathon carves out its own identity as a funny and fearless comedy that has received very strong reviews and also marks the feature film directory debuts of Anthony Goodell-Baldi and Keith Strasbach, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Anthony and Keith, I thank you both very much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Matt. It's our pleasure. So when I was watching this movie, something kind of just struck me. I run, you know, semi-regular. Um, I'm 40 now, so my knees and my ankles aren't as, as spry as they used to be. Um, but all, all of, every single time when I run, I don't know whether this is something that happens to you guys too, you two as well. Halfway from my run, I always say to myself, what the hell am I doing? You know, what's, what is this torture that I'm putting myself through? And watching Marathon, even though it is a documentary, I think it really kind of taps into that kind of mindset. It's like, what the hell are we doing this for? Um, we're not running away from any type of predators. We're doing this for recreation and sport. And I, I know the marathon film, whether it be Chariots of Fire or Brittany Runs a Marathon, talks about the goals achieved, et cetera. But there's also an absurdity about it. That absurdity in, in running, especially long distance running, is that, I think, something that kind of fueled the creativity behind this movie that's releasing tomorrow? Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I run as well. And, and I had a weird or an odd backstory. In high school, I was the cross-country captain and MVP for two seasons, completely against my will and better judgment. I got roped into doing it because my mother was a PE teacher at the high school and she was friends with the cross-country coach. So I, I couldn't get out of it and I ended up being good. So I was, I guess, apathetically fast. But we were surrounded by all of these you know, I, I don't want to say nuts, but I mean, the runners can sometimes they uh, it, it consumes their identity where they're all in on this, uh, you know, on running as a pastime and, and a personality trait. Whereas I, I still consider myself a basketball player who was just do, doing this to get in shape for, uh, for basketball season. So, at, you know, my early stages, I refused to wear the, the cross country shorts. I was running in basketball shorts, but mm. uh, in, in terms of, Tying into low budget filmmaking, it's, you know, it, it lend itself very well to the mockumentary style where, you know, for the most part, wardrobes are 
you know, outlandish warships, but they're cheap and it's just point and shoot. And a lot of times, you know, you're just outside running and parks or sidewalks street, you know, it's very easy to, to film. Um, in terms of the, and I, I, I run, I jog, you know, but it's like, you, but it's usually just three to four miles at a time for the health, just for, you know, to generally stay healthy. But I, I can't relate to, it goes back to what you're saying. Like, what, you know, what the hell are we doing here? I, I can't relate to the, the marathons and the ultra marathons, but I yeah, do avoid it. What's that? I just, I hate running, but you know that I'm, I'm the other perspective of just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Anthony, <laughs> yeah, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. I, I just want to say, Anthony, when it comes to that kind of perspective, that, that hate running kind of part, you know, there's all different types of runners. I mean, I'm, Keith and I, I think you and I are kind of like in the same kind of vein there. We do a more for health and order. Anthony, you're on the other end of the spectrum. And the, the, the characters you have in your film just represent all different types of people that have different types of backgrounds and goals and such of that. When you're putting your characters together for this piece, um, do any of you two know runners? Do, 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 does their kind of goals and their such is something that kind of rub off on how you created your characters for this film? Um, how do you kind of come up with these different kind of uh, characters in this movie? Yeah, so we, I mean, first of all, Emma Lou is the, the character that I I gravitate towards the most just because she quits immediately. Like yes, I play, she, I play she has sport. a marathon of a different kind, doesn't she? In the film? Yeah, so I do, I do have to exercise too because I'm up getting up there as well. So, but I play sports, so I kind of try to like trick myself. I, I Basically, I'm running, but I'm, I don't like to think about it because I can't, I couldn't do a treadmill. I couldn't do what Keith does and just run around the neighborhood. But Emma Lou was the one character I was like, I get it. Like this character makes so much sense to me and just see all the other characters. We basically try to think of like, what's the funniest, like the banana costume, basically like what's the funniest goal that we can give five different characters. Um, but Keith, do you want to add on to that? Yeah. And I'll tie it back into the last uh, question too, where like the, the absurdity or the pointlessness of certain activities, or we, we always thought, you know, while we were editing this, Andrew Hansen, who plays Ryan O'Brien, gives a great closing monologue on the crutches. And even before that, he gives a spiel about it. He goes through of all the ways he tried to achieve his goal. But Anthony, and that always hit home for me and Anthony in terms of our filmmaking career. <laughs> There'd be some times where we're, we're filming these shorts. Uh, we were spray painting a stool in the, you know, in the desert and wind for a different project. And we're just looking around like, you know, what, what, are, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> so it's that same, you know, utility or absurdity that, you know, you get yourself, whether it's a marathon or, you know, a three or four year uh, filming process for an independent film. But I mean, if you can't laugh at the absurdity of, you know, some of our choices in life, then what are you doing? Speaking about laughing at the absurdity of some of these characters, Keith, Anthony just mentioned one of the characters runs in the banana costume, the character of uh, Jenna. And what's really interesting about that is I, I've seen, you watch marathons on TV, you see people dressed in costume and stuff. The thing that I didn't know was that there are actually world records set by people dressed in costume. This is a real thing. And I actually looked up who was the last person who actually set a world record, a Guinness World Record for dressing in a banana costume. It was a guy named Jordan Maddox. He did 26 miles in two hours and 41 seconds, which is rather impressive. In fact, I think the, the record they tried to break in the movie was like four hours. So like he cleared that by quite a long shot. The idea of having someone run in a costume, I mean, if that's not comedy gold, I, I don't know what, what, what is it? Um, what isn't? I mean, when it came to that, was that just such an easy, easy thing to put into your movie? Because it's just so absurd in real life as well. Well, I think we had bought 
a ton of run or subscribe to a ton of running magazines, more for lookbook ideas in terms of, you know, wardrobe choices, just uh, in general, look at the film for our DPs or our, you know, hair and makeup artists. And then I think I stumbled across an article where it broke down those records and at one point in the script, I think we changed the woman's name. It was either Victoria King or Elizabeth King. I, I forget which is the accurate one, but we switched it because we were using the real record holder's name. Mm. And there's a female record, or a, a male male record and a female record. So we we were using the, the actual record holder's name. In terms of, I think Anthony and I had a conversation whether it was going to be hot dog or banana. And I had already had a banana costume. Yeah. For, <laughs> Right. For, for a previous Halloween, uh, Halloween party. So I think it, it part of the low budget filmmaking, right. You know, use the resources that you already have handy as opposed to, you know, making life complicated. And I, I do think it's a simpler image uh, and it pops more on screen. So over, I mean, I think it was better for story and we already had it anyways. And it probably, but the initial uh, kernel of the idea came from a magazine article where uh, they listed some of the more absurd records like people who would run in a suit or I'm trying to think of the other ones uh we saw someone run in a dinosaur costume but yeah there are all all these eccentric records i actually went on the guinness world um world records website and the latest entrance to have a costume running was a person run as a star and a person run as an elf so there's a diverse <laughs> range out there <laughs> yeah i can't imagine them training in that too because it's just all the chafing and mm. how hot it gets it's just insane to me I'd imagine the smell of the costume would be something. Oh, right? Yeah. And that goes back to the torture we are talking about at the, at the start of this interview. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. I want to talk about, um, you know, I mentioned before in the in the intro, the Christopher Guest style kind of documentary, uh, mockumentary filmmaking. A lot of that is improv. A lot of his actors, he has a troop of actors there. They improvise. When it comes to your cast, um, do you allow improvisation? Um, is that like the name of the game when it comes to this type of filmmaking, Anthony? Yeah, so we generally, when we're directing, we generally try to do uh, at least Three, three or four takes uh, of what was on script. And then after that, once we thought we were good, we just let our actors just have as much fun with the takes. And I'm not sure, Keith, what do you think? I, I don't know percentage-wise how much it was improv or how much we used on script, but I mean, our actors were so talented and with their improv. Uh, we mostly, in the editing room, we mostly picked what, what they improvised. But what, what do you think, Keith? 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on each actor and storyline. There's some storylines that had more, not exposition, but you know, stronger story arcs that we had to have certain scenes. Um, I don't know. I would say still maybe around 60, 40. I mean, the the joke, the joke is, you know, it's 75, 35. Uh, but it was probably you know, realistically, maybe 60, 40, 60 scripted, and then 40% overall. Uh, right. But yeah, it probably, dep- you know, that, that and the numbers change, the percentages change depending on which, which character, which actor we're talking about, but they're all fantastic. And we knew that going in, even during the casting process, we made sure we were, you know, getting the strongest improvisers we could. And like Anthony was saying, you know, we shoot three to five takes and on our script, we try to hit three jokes a page. So there is a safety net. You know, it's not like the I'd hate to put performers in a situation where they think they have to be funny on demand with a blank page. I, you know, we were pretty, pretty confident in the script that, you know, there were enough jokes there. And I think that's what helped us land some of these talented performers um, that they knew there were, you know, they're, they're, they're operating with a safety net or a safety blanket. And then we can as soon as we get, you know, we feel comfortable with one of the takes, then we can talk to them and explore, explore the room. You know, like, all right, what other, what else? Could, you know, a lot of times you're shooting in Airbnbs that you've only seen pictures of, but once you're in the actual room, uh, for example, our assistant cameraman, when we walk, walked into Ryan O'Brien's Airbnb, he goes, oh, that's funny. There's a doggy door. And this wasn't in the script. This is just our assistant camera uh, Alfredo Montenegro. And we're like, that's, that's so great. Cameraman can get locked out and then come in through the doggy door so some, sometimes it's just exploring the location, talking with the actor in terms of blocking and what they feel natural within the setting and, and what their kind of comedic instincts tell them to do. And, and again, you know, if you're shooting quick and you're shooting, we knew we were going to do a lot of jump cuts. So we had the luxury of not having to shoot traditional coverage. Anthony, something I really love about Marathon is that it's fearless. It does, it's willing to go places. I think other comedies don't want to go and I think one of the best recurring jokes in the film which also kind of taps into a serious issue as well as a character of Sharif who's a a black man he constantly is getting jumped by the police no matter where he goes uh around the corner uh, on a marathon run anywhere at all it's just a recurring joke that happens over and over and I kind of expect it to happen but when it does happen I just laugh out loud while 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 watching it and then you also have the character of Abby and she has she's a mother and all the issues that come with motherhood and baby brain and all that stuff as well when it comes to putting that type of material together is there anything goes as long as it works on the screen as long as it's funny because I think that the way that you guys approach both those subjects in such a witty and and in a funny way just worked so incredibly well in the movie and I really I think is one of the strengths of the film as well yeah we really had that conversation too Keith and I we we were saying like do we really want to make a Christopher Guest film or do we want to put more edge to it so I think that's why we went through those avenues and tried to make it as uh yeah not I wouldn't say we're we're trying to write edgy but we're just trying to make it a little more interesting instead of just writing uh goofy characters we thought we would try to hit something that actually i don't know resonated with with runners and what was actually going on today mm, very true and you know, the other thing i really like about the movie as well um keith is you guys i don't see it much anymore maybe i'm just missing out on it but you guys brought back the art of the the long run of the long joke and what i mean by that is that comedies usually these days much more kind of dialogue driven um snappy one-liners etc cetera, etc cetera. in this film you have jokes that kind of last kind of like the whole movie and, I, and what i mean for that is the character of emmy lou especially 
I don't know what was going to happen with her as I was watching the movie. And in the back of my mind, I thought it might be kind of like a turtle, a tortoise and a hare kind of thing. Like she's going to be the runner who's not going to do any preparations or she's going to rock up in a day and somehow she's going to win. And that didn't happen. It, she has a marathon completely different, which is like a Netflix marathon, which I thought was just a great joke. And it was a joke that kind of ran all the way through. You don't know what she's going to do. And then the punchline comes at the end. And I thought that was just fantastic. Um, the, the art of the long joke, I mean, is that something that you guys are a fan of, of, of as well when watching like different films? Because there's films that I watch as well and they have that kind of long joke kind of running through there, especially in spoof films and mockumentaries, especially. Uh, sure. I'll say a couple things. Uh, you know, w- one, a, a lot of it just comes through the actual, you know, thinking about, okay, what would this character actually do um, for the story? You know, not trying to manipulate or create an artificial storyline, but, you know, truly thinking, all right, what would Emily Potch, you know, do in terms of her actual character choices um, and that that just made complete sense and like when you when you stumble across it you you just all right this clicks it works um, it just falls in into place uh, the the long joke I mean yeah it's more about character you know I guess long-term character arcs that sort of build right I mean it gets mm-hmm. you hope that it gets a little bit funnier and funnier and funnier uh, and we also tried to we didn't we didn't want anyone to know how it was all gonna play out. You know, you're watching these five characters, and we you know, we liked the idea of not all of them are gonna make it, and you don't know which ones are gonna cross the finish line. Yeah. You know, it's we compared it to there's a reason sports are so popular, right? When you watch a basketball game or a football game or a rugby match, I don't know, Matt, what your you know, uh, sport of choice is, but you don't know who wins. And I think that's part of, you know, if more movies or films took that approach of, it, it doesn't need to be format, you know, formulaic, and you, you sometimes can just as long as you're following the true, you know, character choices, and those characters would actually act or believe that way, behave that way, then you know, see where see where it takes you. But yeah, we purposely tried to write endings that one were true to the character, but two, we we didn't want the uh, we didn't want to fall into like a traditional three act structure where you know the uh, everyone's gonna everyone's going to cross the finish line and it's going to be a, a, a nice little bow on the, uh, on the end. And I think it says much about the power in surprise as well. I mean, I'm an NBA fan and I don't think anyone would have guessed at the start of this NBA season that the Phoenix Suns were fight, facing off against the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> in the NBA finals. These are two right, right. 50 years or so. Um, and I think it's the art of the surprise is such a really cool thing and, and it works really well in in uh in marathon especially in regards to amy lou's character because like i said i thought i had a perception of what her character was going to do and i kind of got blind kind of totally got blindsided by it i was just such in a great way because then i was of course marathon you know netflix marathon so it makes all the sense in the world um anthony the marathon that they the your characters run in this movie is called the devil's um canyon marathon i'm pretty sure it is um Whereabouts is that in reality? Is that an actual kind of path? Uh, is that in Vegas? Is that in LA? Whereabouts is that? Yeah, so the beginning of the marathon is actually, Keith, what is it called? What's the little town called? It's like uh, Diamond? Blue, Blue Diamond Park. Blue Diamond Park. And it's funny because we, uh, I mean, Red Rock is actually right outside of Las Vegas where we shot a majority of the film. Hmm. But it, you can't shoot in Red Rock because permits take probably two to three years just to get it approved. So we found a loophole where there was a Blue Diamond Park that was right on the border. So we could shoot in a, a Clark County park and we got we got a permit 
And so we basically just turned the camera around so you couldn't see any of the houses or the park itself. And you could just see the Red Rock, uh, beautiful canyon in the background. And then for the actual running uh, scenes, we had to go on like the backside of the canyon uh, where it was a trail. And we were basically just following all these runners in a, in a, a truck, basically, as they, they ran the marathon. And is it as hot as it seemed on screen? <laughs> yeah, we didn't really need our makeup artists uh, to fake the sweats. Uh, it was it was pretty hot. I think we were shooting in May, right? Is that right, Keith? Early yeah, May? yeah, May May of 2018, and the oh. the stadium, the track, the high school track stadium was probably the hottest day with the banana suits because I think we touched a hundred or the temperature touched a hundred on that day. Yeah, he's in a banana suit as well. I imagine that'll be extremely hard for for your actors that day, especially um, um, uh, Roberto Rad, who plays um, the role of the other banana racer. He looked like he was really struggling in, in the screen. And I imagine a lot of these uh, that heat in the of, from the real the real world uh, would have um, come through on the screen uh, when you guys were shooting. Yeah, his anguish I think was real. I don't think that was much <laughs> acting. <laughs> he was uh, he was in it. It was really funny to watch though him trying to push a tire over is it was comedic gold <laughs> keith you mentioned that um you guys were filming um 2018 so we're looking at a production of like three years or, or and maybe some change there now that the film's coming out um coming out tomorrow july 6th the di- digital on demand how does it feel like now that you're having a film it's going to come out and not only that you guys have gotten really good reviews as well i think on rotten tomatoes is still 100 score i'm a rotten tomatoes critic and i'm going to add to that as well um, so you guys are still going to have that 100% uh, score there as well. I'm sure you guys, you both, you and Anthony, are both so very um, uh, excited to have the film come out and everyone watch this um, this labor of love uh, that you've been working on for the last few years. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. No, we appreciate the review and the kind words. No, we're, we're thrilled. We're ecstatic. It's you know uh, the breakdown was we wrote it in 2017, shot it in 2018. Anthony and I both had full-time jobs. He was in Vegas and I was in LA, uh, but he had the editing station. So in in LA, I'd work Monday through Friday and then get in my car, drive the, depending on traffic, the four to eight hours to Vegas. And we'd edit on the weekends and then I'd drive back. And we we did that for two years. Um, I think I made 35 trips to to Vegas. Uh, And it was horrible because it's, I'm going at the same time as all the tourists as well, you know, leaving Friday and coming back Sunday. And then we picture locked first final lock was March, 2020, right. When, uh, you know, right. When the shut, right. Before, when the shutdown happened. And then we took a little bit more time, uh, cause we weren't sure what the festival scene was going to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, we added the claymation sequence. We added some of the art pieces like the bench poster and the fake DV, the sex tape DVD cover. Those were added because we had, extra time to the pandemic. And then, uh, yeah, and then we, uh, started submitting once, once we knew that the film festivals weren't coming back, we started submitting to sales, uh, sales agents or produce, you know, producers reps, but no, we're, we're ecstatic. I will say the one, the one not sad part about it is the one thing we didn't know doing this is we, we both have MFAs in screenwriting where we can still, still consider ourselves writers. You know, this was, um, out of not desperation, but we had done well in a lot of screenwriting contest and our scripts had, you know, got, we had meetings, but, you know, no one wanted to 
fork over millions and millions of dollars. So we did this like, all right, let's shoot something we or let's write something we can actually shoot. But the problem is once you do this and you're producing and directing and editing, you know, we haven't picked up a pen to write a new script in, you know, two or three years now. And it's just an odd, it's an odd change. Although now, I mean, we've learned, we would obviously we made the, I think we made the right decision and we've learned so much more and it'll probably make us better writers for our next project to where when you're directing something you write, you're accountable for every word, like every joke you put on the page or every scene, you're responsible for somehow creating that. And, you know, if you write a prop, you got to go buy the prop. It's just a different mindset when you write, but it's, uh, it's, you know, fantastic and and very fulfilling that it's all kind of coming to a good uh, positive conclusion. And that someone actually liked it enough, like Circus, uh, the Circus Road films, right? Yeah. Yeah, they actually enjoyed the movie enough to actually help us out and get distribution, which we never thought would happen in a million years. I mean, we have a very low budget. We don't have any big names. And it was a a dream come true. Well, it's a great film. Just a film I needed. I don't know if you heard the news, but Sydney's been in lockdown for the last two weeks. It's also school holidays here, so I'm tearing my hair, hair out. So watching a comedy like this just hit the right funny bone. Um, made me chuckle all the way through, put a big smile on my face. And for everyone else listening out there, July 9 on digital and on demand marathon. If you love your mockumentaries, if you're looking to film make you laugh, I can highly recommend this movie. And Anthony Gridwaldi and Keith Strasberg, I thank you both very much for joining me today. Congratulations on the film. And hopefully with the next film, we can talk again in the future. All right. Thanks so much, Matt. Uh, thank you, Matt. Very kind of you.